Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. When we have a tendency to talk, we look at things and we put all the uh, Christians have a tendency to do this. They go, I know God is for me. Just the stuff we sang this morning. I know God's for me. I know that God's with me. I know God's this. I know that God's greater. I know he's that. But, and then they fill in, I'm not feeling the Lord lately. He feels far from me. And you do all these things where you end the sentence with the circumstances. And how to flip that And go ahead and talk about your circumstances. Right now, I'm facing this, 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 and this. And then change the sentence, but God, and now fill in who God is in your life. And how dramatically that can change your view of self, your thinking about what's going on, how you're receiving from the Lord. So anyway, that's what we've been looking at. And what that walking in wisdom and how it puts an eternal perspective in our hearts. When you have an eternal perspective, it guides you. And eternal perspective is not age limited. Now, I know your parents. They're pretty smart. You're just as smart as them as smart as them now you don't have as much experience you may not as have as much knowledge but that's not smart smart is choosing God smart is choosing God's ways in all that you do in all of your life and so I'm convinced of this since I know your parents and I think they're smart guess what I think about you you're pretty smart matter of fact you're really smart And I can see it and I can hear it. And so this is as much for you. Don't let this slip by you. Take it in and pray over the things that that God would speak through me this morning into your life. And how you can embrace it and how you can grow in wisdom. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature before men. If you want to look good in front of everybody else, grow in wisdom. That's what will make you really look good. Really good. And you're all going to go to college. You're all going to succeed. That's my old. Many of our core values as believers right now feel like they're being challenged. And in some cases, despised. I think in America we're not always familiar with that uh, because Christianity's been so accepted. It's also, at times, being hatefully rejected. And that feels uncomfortable. Even though we know, well, as a believer, you receive tribulation. Not everybody's going to be for you. Not everybody else is a believer. We know that. But I think combined with that is, for many of us, common sense and what it means to be an American appears to be swinging from one extreme side that is creating chaos, fear, violence, and danger to another side in which you go, but that's not my values either. And so we're, it, it just feels so awkward right now, if I was going to describe it. It feels uncomfortable. It feels unsafe. It doesn't feel secure. 
feels like something's missing and anxiety is rampant in the atmosphere. Is anybody, you tracking with me? Somebody give me an amen. Yeah, all right, thank you. Remember right now, something to remember, that all of the New Testament, all of the New Testament was written in and during a time that was not just similar to this, but in many ways far more dangerous. They didn't talk about you not meeting together. They talked about lopping off your head. They didn't talk about which God you served. They said, bow to Caesar or die. And we have a tendency to forget that that's how it was written. That they didn't even get to express their views. And the whole ideas of even an open or a shut door on a home was like beyond thinking. Any Roman soldier had the right to open your door anytime he wanted and take whatever he wanted out of your house. Because they were under Roman rule. That's what was written. Facing all that stuff. So all the things that we read in, in the New Testament, just think of it, cubit. <laughs> like it, it's exponentially more intense back then than it is even now, though that doesn't diminish what we feel. Doesn't take away the insecurity and... Uh, it seems like, I don't know how, what you guys are going through throughout your weekly stuff. Everybody's ready to get angry at the drop of a hat over nothing. Just like over nothing. You know, I was checking out at price. Here's one another one of my price chopper stories. Either price chopper, Walmart, or Target, or one of those. But I'm in price chopper, and uh, I, I bought some ginger ale, also known as ginger beer, and, uh, but it's non-alcohol. And the lady was checking it out, you know, and we were kind of, I like to like make little Lloyd jokes and stuff. And she's checking it out and that little carton thing that the four of them were in all fell apart. And they all went over the place. And the manager comes over and he goes, oh, oh, sir, I'm so sorry. Do you want me to replace those for you? I said, no, it's not that big. Of a yeah, but we need to take care of this, right? You know, and he, act, you know, he acted like. You know, I was going to have a world crisis and a meltdown right there, which he's probably experienced from other people. I said, look, it's not that big a deal. I don't care. Stick them in a plastic bag, stick them in a paper bag. I don't care. I'm going to go home and put them in my refrigerator, and then I'm going to have one. But they're just ready to, there's that, do you feel that? There's that tenseness in the atmosphere. Well, with that kind of atmosphere, temptation can happen. Now, whenever we talk about temptation, it is most often associated with what? Say it louder, Kurt. Sin. Oh, nice three-letter word, sin. There are other things, maybe even more important and bigger things that we can be tempted with. And I want to talk to you about it this morning. Last week in using the but God thing, I spoke about Jesus in the garden and his 
finding and relying in and on the faith that he would be in and how to yield to God's will. Uh, He was, at that time, as one translation, I love this translation, puts it, sorely vexed. Well, there's a lot of times I feel sorely vexed, but I don't know if I've been through that. But look at this passage in Luke. I want to I reiterate, reiterate some things about it. So, scenario. They just got done eating their last supper and the Passover meal and sharing that. And, they, and Jesus wants to go out to the garden and pray, Garden of Gethsemane, to the Mount of Olives. He says, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed That meant he did that. That's where he went a whole lot in the evenings. He would go out and pray. And his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We all like this part. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he had rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from, from sorrow. What was the temptation? And he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. What was the temptation? Sleep? Escape? Hmm? Hopelessness? What else? What do you think they were tempted with? Fear. The same thing Jesus was being tempted with. Fear and anxiety. You know, there's, there's, a, there's an actual physical thing in which people who go through great anxiety where they will sweat blood. He was filled with the anxiety of knowing what was coming. You're going to die. This is going to be painful. This is going to hurt a lot. And he's praying for them and asking them, pray that you don't enter into the temptation of this fear. Temptation isn't always about lust in its various forms. It isn't always about the overt act of sinning. It's about self. Whenever there's fear in our lives, it's about self. Not about God's will, it's about our will. It's about future. It's about loss. It's about safety. It's about protection. It's about hope. It's about faith. It's about peace. And what's strange is that when that kind of temptation to lean into what fear is saying... We get tempted by a hundred other different things. 
I'm just going to go to sleep and pretend this didn't happen. You were absolutely right. They were tempted with sleep. Maybe if I fall asleep, it'll all be over with when I wake up. That's likened unto when you're scared and, uh, and you hide under the covers. You know, any of you grow up with a monster under the bed? It's not there, it's not there, it's not real, it's not real. Click, click, click. You pull the blanket up. What was Jesus' answer to the overwhelming fear? Right here. What was his answer? What was he looking? What did he do? What did he ask them to do? Pray. He saw prayer as a response to what? The temptation to give in to fear. Fear isn't just about the absence of courage. You know, courage is what we do in spite of fear. Fear isn't designed to steal your courage. Fear is designed in its temptation for you to look to other things to get through the fear. Courage is about a relationship. Courage is about doing that which you know is right. Why prayer? That's not going forward. Who's up there? Nobody's up there. All right, I'll tell you why prayer. <laughs> prayer is a position to take when anxiety tempts us to do something on our own. Whenever you feel that, whenever you're being tempted by fear, no matter what it is, the first thing that you can and should do is pray. Prayer is a reliance in the one who is greater and whose will is greater than our own. Think what Jesus said here. Not my will, but yours. How did he do that? Through prayer. He prayed. He prayed it. And he heard himself praying it. And it connected him again with the knowledge that God was with him and the Father was with him. Prayer literally in this case, is how we recognize God's presence. Often when I'm scared, I, I pray. It's so funny what we sang this morning. The first thing I say in prayer when I'm scared is, I know you're with me, God. Because fear has something to do with being alone. Matter of fact, aloneness enhances fear. Even when we do something wrong or when some things go wrong, it's so funny. We get tempted to isolate. We get tempted to... <sighs> I do anyway. Uh, I think you do too. But I know this. When I start praying, say, God, your promise is you're with me. That is so, immediately my spirit, the spirit person inside of me starts growing. 
become stronger. I don't know how that happens. We sang the song. Bigger, better. By the way, that's very scriptural, if you're wondering whether that's not scriptural. Hebrews tells us that what we have is something that is built on better promises. Gets better and better. Better promises. When you start hanging on to that, fear just starts. Doesn't crumble, but it doesn't have the monstrous feeling. Can't stand fear. I hate being afraid. But it doesn't do any good to stand in some sort of uh, macho John Wayne, Ernest Hemingway. You know, they, they say this about Ernest Hemingway. When he was four years old, he used to walk around like a bully going, ain't afraid of nothing. So that's from his, uh, uh, an auto, not an autobiography, a biography released about him. Yes, he was. He killed himself. He was scared of himself. As much talent as he had, he could never find happiness. Yes, he was. So, de- so it doesn't take bravado to stand against fear. It takes the reality of someone greater than you. When the reality of you praying to the one who is bigger than, then something begins to happen. Listen, listen to these two passages of Scripture. I don't know if you were able to you know, get that. So I'm going to read them. It's two different versions, and I want you to hear it from both. This is Philippians 4, what it says about prayer and anxiety. You probably have it on your refrigerator. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is not an equation. This is saying when you pray, you sense God's peace. In the, mo- the strongest prayer, it's, a, it's, it's Psalm 12, verse 1. Help, Lord. Help. The weakest thing you could say, ask for help because you're weak, is the strongest thing you can do. Because it leans into the one who's going to take care of you. And peace will come. When peace comes, fear hates peace. Have you noticed that? Fear loves living in turmoil and contention. Loves it. Hates peace. Listen to what the, how the Phillips reads. I love this. Don't worry over anything, whatever. Don't worry over anything, whatever. Tell God every detail of your needs in earnest and thankful prayer. And the peace of God which transcends human understanding. It means it goes beyond what you could think. We'll keep constant guard, constant guard over your hearts and minds as they rest in Christ Jesus. That's your soul. The only thing that was left out was your will. Your heart and your mind. What you're thinking, what you're feeling. 
It says it, it becomes greater than that. I hate fear. I don't like being scared. How can somebody as big as you ever be scared? Because I never saw myself as big. Not quite as bad as the character in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It wasn't psychotic. But of all the things, I never saw myself as qualified. I never saw myself as this. I never saw myself as that. Oh, I saw myself as less than. And so fear would jump on that. Who do you think you are? Here's what prayer to God did. The minute I would pray to God, he would tell me who I am. He would tell me my true value. He would tell me how much he loved and liked me. He would get specific and tell me what it was about me that he liked. And that gave me the courage then to do his will. And to believe that about myself. It wasn't playing games. It wasn't trying to change the circumstances. It put me in a position to trust my God. And it changed my words. Here's what. Psychology tells us that there are three human responses to fear. Do you guys know this? Have you ever gone through a seminar or anything? Do you know what they are? There are three F's. Fight. Flight. Freeze. By the way, many, many, many people choose freeze tag. Oh, is it up there? Amazing. Thank you. And blessings be upon you and your family. (laughs) So when fear comes in, your natural response is to fight it or get away from it or freeze. Go to sleep. I wake up in the morning, I'll all be gone. I believe that we as believers have a greater option to fear. Little four-letter word, word called rest. That's what prayer does. Prayer positions you to rest, to enter into God's rest, to really dwell there. Because that's where your true heart's protection is. That's where your true thought's protection is really at. So you're going to have to click forward. Hebrews 4.9 says this, there remains, and by the way, Hebrews 2 through 4 is all about entering into God's rest. And we do that through the salvation of Jesus Christ and then trusting him with that salvation. He says this, the writer says this, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest, his rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God dis. From his. What's that saying? When I am afraid and I go to God in prayer, that leaves me the authority to let everything go of what I'm thinking, how I'm thinking it, and why I'm thinking it. And to move myself into saying this How do you see this? Prayer is a question. Before it's ever an answer. 
God, I'm scared. Be very, very honest. It's the Lord after all. He knows exactly what you're afraid of. You know, he knows exactly what you're afraid of. When I enter that, he can touch that spot and he can tell you things, eternal things. And you'll, it, here's what's amazing. When I do this, scriptures start coming up to me. They, you know, what if I don't read the Bible? Well, you're stupid. <laughs> it's not going to cost you eternity. You're just being a stupid person. If you're not reading your, if you're not reading your Bible right now, that's just stupid. It's just not using common sense. Because God wants to take his word and begin to inscribe it into you. So when the fear does rise up, the minute you start praying, guess what comes out? The very scriptures that you were reading that speak comfort, answer, joy, help, hope, healing. God's answer in times of turmoil and stress and the, this exhortation from Hebrews is all designed to get you to enter the rest of God. God is not worried. God has no fear. God does not have any anxiety. God does not have one atomic drop of doubt. God knows all things. He is not, he is not turning his back on you. On your worst day, God is with you. On your best day, God is with you. And we sang it this morning. I am so for you. Kick that lie out that generates fear. What if God, stop it. God is, not what if God. God is. I am. Entering God's rest and being found through prayer accesses faith. You'd be stunned how quickly faith enters in where fear was. And it accesses trust. It places it at the central place of relying on God, which produces peace. The only time I'm not at peace is when I'm not relying on God, because then in fear I rely on who? Old Popeye. And sometimes I can find me spinach, and sometimes I can't. For those of you who are old enough to remember that. Oh, Olive. Should have had me spinach. First Peter 1.13 says this, it's a, it's a strange thing. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. 
and rest your hope fully. By the way, the loins of your eye, the, the loins, the reason he uses that is that's this area, it's your core. What do they tell you about your core? Build it up. That's where your strength is at. It's also the reproductive area. That means it, it generates things. It does new things. Um, so he says, gird up. That means strengthen, tighten up. Um, the word gird's really funny, and I won't go into that this morning. So, but to do this, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When I'm scared, I ask God to give me a revelation of him. And then I, what it means to rest, it's like uh, when you get done, have you ever done yard work? A little bit? Yeah? Have you ever used a rake? Did you ever get done and you got it raked in a pile and you start burning the pile and then you go over to the, the machine shed and you take the rake and you lean it against the building because you're done working? That's what that word rest there means. When you're resting your hope fully on God, you're leaning onto him. Does that make sense? You're, you're leaning it. Again, listen to the Phillips. So, brace up your minds, and as men who know what they are doing, rest the full weight of your hopes on the grace that will be yours when Jesus Christ reveals himself to you. Now, if I'm praying and asking, do you think God's going, mm, then count? You don't count. Everybody else counts. You don't count. Does that sound like God to you? Does that sound like a good father? When you want to talk to your dad, does he turn his back on you? Not ever. God won't ever turn his back on you. You can rest your hope fully upon him. When you pray, you can trust that the father will respond as a father. That's why he's called father. He's called father because he's dad. anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God just run to him and pray the minute fear or anxiety starts creeping up what if it's a hundred times a day go a hundred times a day this is probably one of the greatest evangelistic ones that's used but I think it's so much more than that. Look at this. Listen to Matthew 11. Because this is what Jesus knew what he was sent for. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Why is that so? Because he's already carried it for you. He carried it to a cross. He nailed it to a cross, and he ascended from a cross so that you would have justification.
so you could be you in all reality, not escaping circumstances, but in all reality going, Mike, this isn't very good right now. I don't like what's happening. It's okay. Tell him that. His promise is this. I will give you rest. You can lean your rake on me. Stop working at it so hard. Come to me. I don't know how you imagine of what this looks like, but when it's regarding fear, I mean, think of where all this was this morning and and having John 14 read to us. Don't be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. So all the gunk that's going on around us, Will we have school? We won't have school. Will we be able to do this? Will we be able to do that? Will we ever get to go bowling again? Will we ever get to... Next thing you know, they'll take Uno away from us. What are Christians going to do without Uno? Listen, I'm making light of it, but it's not light, it's fear. It's anxiety in every form from little to big. And Jesus says this. I think he'd say it this way today. Come to me in prayer. Just come to me. He's already in you. There's no separation. There's no distance. There's no delay. There's not even a rule of how to pray. You understand that? There's no like pray this manner, pray this way. A few of mine have been squeaky, scared prayers. Then there's always the, I don't understand prayers. Then there's just the simple help, Lord. I need you really now. I really need your presence now, God. His answer is always Psalm 23. Do you know that? It's always. Do you know what the promise of Psalm 23 is? He restores my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on, you know what? I shall not want. Restore my soul. Isn't it funny? Still waters, uh, one translation is the waters of reflection. It takes you to the still waters where you're scared and you look at yourself and go, I'm scared. He says, right there, right there I restore your soul. Right there I will give you myself. The song says, you're no longer a slave to fear. You're a child of God. Look at yourself. You're a child of God in this current generation, this current circumstance. I want us to sing this song again. 
less an act of dependence, more an act of knowing, God, you're with me. This has already happened. I'm no longer a slave to fear. No longer a slave to that. Would you stand with me?
this with me. Put your hand on your heart. You're going to minister to yourself. Say this after me. My life is built on better promises. Jesus is in me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? My God is with me. Today, tomorrow, forever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Man, we just love on each other as you go. God bless.